song to us that are up here, but I see you singing. So it means that some of you, it's not a new song. We'll talk more about that later. You'll have another opportunity to sing. Um, just welcome each one of you here. And I'm going to read Psalm 100 as a call to worship. Psalm 100, a psalm for giving grateful praise. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. God, we thank you and we praise you. Um, you are good. Remind us of that each day. And uh, draw us to you this morning. Give us listening ears and hearts to hear you and to participate in your in uh, worship to you. Amen. We're just going to sing a song that we sang last time. Um, it's a couple of hymns that are all kind of mashed together. So we'll just switch through some hymns and you'll you'll catch on.
singing um, Living Hope and uh, the new song Is He Worthy? Uh, Chris and Ravita have suggested those songs and thank you. Um, they've also chosen the scripture for today and um, before we do that I'm going to pray for the offering. God um, 
I thank you that you are so generous to us in giving us hope and life and for the financial things you give us in the time. God, help us to be generous back to you. Use the things we give you to bring honor and glory to your name. Amen. Okay, I will give you a minute or two to look up Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3. The year of the Lord's favor. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our Lord, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The word of the Lord. Good morning. It is wonderful to see you. This It's actually fall outside. We didn't think it would happen, but it has come. All right. If you have your bulletins on you, now is the time to pull them on out. We're going to be looking at a couple things on here. First, this is going to come as no surprise to anybody Today, immediately after the service, there's going to be a potluck. It smells delicious already. We're all salivating. It's going to be worth it. So make sure to stay after the service today. Potluck in the back, but last names N to Z. You guys are on charge of cleanup. Next Sunday, 9.45 a.m., Adult Sunday School is beginning. They had a wonderful class this morning. Uh, and then 10.45, the worship service and children's church. Uh, so make sure to come on out. It'll always be a good Sunday. All right, skipping down, October 22nd. That is the day we are going to be having our Thanksgiving supper. So make sure to mark that down. As you know, Thanksgiving supper is, uh, of course, free for everybody to attend. Invite your neighbors, invite everybody you know. It is going to be a wonderful turkey dinner. And uh, I know that because it has always been that, and I look forward to it every year. I'm not going to share with you any details about who is going to be on deck uh, for music or anything like that, uh, but you're going to like it. All right, going down. Uh, if you're interested in child dedication or membership, make sure to come and talk to me. We're hoping to do that at some point uh, over the next uh, couple uh, weeks to months. And so if you have a child to be dedicated or if you are interested in becoming a member, come talk to me either later today or email me or drop by the church. I would love to have that conversation with you. Also, sign up for small groups. I actually remember to make the sign-up sheet this time. And so, in the back on the table, you will find a sign-up sheet. It is on a clipboard. Uh, if you have not been in a group last year, that is who is supposed to sign up there. If you are not currently in a small group, then put your name on down on that list. And we look forward, as all of the ministerial, to getting the groups together, and we are hoping to kick them off sometime in October. It is going to be a great year for small groups, so make sure, if you are not currently in one, to put your name on the list on the back. 
I'm gonna say it one more time, small group sign up. If you're not in a small group, sign up on the back. It's gonna be good. All right, Kids Connect is starting in the beginning of November and is still looking for volunteers. Kids Connect, as a number of the kids that are here this morning can tell you, is a wonderful time. And because of that, we want to make sure that all of the volunteers that they need to get up and running are there. So, if you are interested in volunteering or if you just want to find out more, talk to Christine. Uh, and she will give you all the information that you need. Again, absolutely wonderful ministry. I would encourage you to do that. Next, we are looking for two children's church teachers for the younger class. If you're interested, talk to Bethany. Also, if you're interested in becoming the Christian Ed chairperson, talk to Bethany. Uh, the Christian Ed is an important part of the ministries of our church, and so I would encourage you, talk to Bethany uh, and also pray. If you are not interested, pray. If you are interested, pray that the people will come forward to do that. I would uh, encourage you to do that. Currently, as you know, there is enough people on deck to do the older class, but there is not quite enough for the younger class for it to go every week. And so we really want to get those teachers for the younger class. So I would encourage you to talk to Bethany. All right. And then October 1st, tentatively the 15th uh, and 22nd, Wayne Friesen, who many of us know, licensed counselor from the area, he is going to be coming out and speaking on depression, anxiety, and also on care. I'd encourage you to make sure to mark that down. He has gone to a number of other churches uh, across Western Manitoba and uh, spoke on these exact things, including on to Bagot. And uh, I have heard nothing but this is timely. I've heard nothing, but this is an important thing to talk about. So, 1st, 15th, and 22nd, uh, make sure to put that on your calendar. All right, any other announcements? Oh, we got a Bethany coming up. Okay, so if you're a parent or guardian or adult who brought kids, um, they need to have a form filled out if they're going to children's church. So we got to some of you before the service, but um, when you come to pick up your kids from the classrooms after the service, I'll have these forms available so you can just fill out their name and a little bit of info just about allergies and just about consent that they're here. So um, come find me and this form after the service if you haven't already. Thanks. All right. Any other announcements? Okay, then let's go on to items of prayer. The first, Esther Dick, that's Annette Vancouvering's mom. Uh, she, it says here, is returning home. She has come home now, and that is God at work. We have been praying for her, and she has healed up enough that she can come home, and that is absolutely amazing. But at the same time, uh, whenever there is a heart attack, there is always recovery that happens after. So we want to continue to pray for Esther. We want to continue to pray for the family uh, as well over the weeks to come, that she will heal up and it'll be like new. So we want to continue to pray that. And also Anne Neufeld, she has, uh, 
She is in the care home now. Uh, that is a wonderful blessing in and of itself, that there was an opening that she could make it into the care home as quickly as she did. Uh, but she continues to battle her stage four lung cancer. And so we just want to continue keeping her in our prayers as well. Um, I'm also going to add on to there Margaret Schultz, who is in the care home in Gladstone. Uh, she has been there for, I want to say, two months now. Uh, and we want to pray for her that she continues uh, to keep her spirits up. We want to just pray for her while she is in there. Uh, she has gotten noticeably worse, so we just want to remember that she is a part of our community. She is one of our sisters in Christ. We want to continue to pray for Margaret. And we want to pray the provincial election is coming up super, super quick, October 3rd, right? Yeah. So we want to pray for everybody on the campaign trail, and we want to pray uh, that however the election turns out, it is how it is meant to turn out. We want to pray for our leaders as well. And finally, we want to pray for Rich and Joy Sayer. We have met them before. They are missionaries uh, that have come, and they have spoken to our congregation before. Uh, their daughter is going into grade K, and as is often the situation, that, that hits awful hard. I can tell you that as a parent whose child went into kindergarten last year, then you're just dealing with all of the things. So we want to pray for them during this important transition in their life. All right, so please bow with me now in a word of prayer. Dear God, we pray, first off, a word of praise. We thank you for the healing that you bring. We thank you for how hard at work you constantly are. Esther comes to our minds first. Lord, we thank you that after her heart attack, she's already recovered to the point where she is at home again. God, we pray for continued healing for her, that there will not be lasting damage, continued healing, that she will continue to get better. We pray for her family as they take care of her. Now we pray for strength for them, but also we pray rejoicing with them that Esther is now home. We say thank you, Lord. And God, we also want to say the same for Rich and Joy as they are now sending off their daughter to kindergarten. We say thank you that this big milestone is coming in their life. But it is also a hard one. It is also one that is filled with many emotions. And God, we just want to say Thank you for them. Thank you for the ministry that they have, but also give them the support that they need right now. And also, we pray a blessing on Hannah as she starts off. Grade K, God, we pray that it will be exactly what it is that she needs to just thrive. Lord, we put that before you. God, we also want to pray for the things that are a blessing but also hit hard. And Neufeld comes to our minds and our hearts. God, we thank you so much that she managed to get into the care home as quickly as she did. But at the same time, the battle with cancer that she is currently waging is impossibly tough. And so, God, we pray, be with her. God, we pray, 
Give her comfort, God, we pray. Quell the pain when it pops up. We pray also be with John, also be with the kids and the rest of the family as they are with her now in these days. Lord, we know that you are a God who can do all things, and so we put her with you. And we also want to pray for Margaret Schultz. God, as she is in the care home, we thank you that she managed to find a home there in Gladstone that is much closer than where she was. But we also pray, be with her and comfort her as she is there during the long days and the long nights. God, we pray, be with her family as well. God, we pray in everything we do, we remember that she is our sister and we remember how much we love her and care for her. We pray a blessing on them both. God, we want to pray for the provincial election that is soon arriving. We are to the point where I am sure every one of the candidates is absolutely worn down. God, we pray as they are on the campaign trail for this last little bit that you will give them the strength to carry on. And in all things, we also pray, make sure that they live truthful. Make sure that what they share is actually the right. And God, we pray that when whichever one gets into power, that however it is the governance is done, it is what needs to be. God, we often do not know what to pray when it comes to our leaders, but you know what is needed, and so we place them with you, trusting in you always, for you have never let us down. God, we put these things before you. And finally, we want to pray for Children's Church. God, we thank you so very much for each and every one of the children here today. God, we pray a blessing on each and every one of them. God, we pray as they go to Children's Church now that they will be met with a time learning about you in a way that sticks all their lives. We pray be with the teachers. We pray give them the words to say. And God, we pray thank you for Thank you for this. Lord, all of these things we put before you now, and we place them at your feet. Amen. All right. Children's Church dismissal time. If you are between the ages of 3 to 12, head out in the back. I see some teachers there that are going to show you exactly what you need. Just go to Bethany, and she will point you in the right direction, and you guys are going to have a great time. All right, today we have guest speakers with us, guest speakers that I am happy to have with us in the morning because, as you know, uh, Travis and Rosie are very important to this congregation. And so, because Travis and Rosie are very important in this congregation, often we find ourselves talking about Chris and Ravita Craker, who are going to be speaking today, because their ministries often overlap. And because of that, I am excited that they can come here and they can share about what their ministry is as well, so we can get a bigger picture of what is going on in the church in Paraguay. And you're going to like it. And so, 
I would invite Chris and Ravita Craker up here now to share with us about their ministry. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for this opportunity to share with you and uh, want to thank you for your praying prayers for us. Um, if I would ask here how many have been to Paraguay, I maybe have to ask how many haven't been. Uh, that would, might be uh, a smaller number. I don't know. A, a couple of weeks ago, somebody asked, why, why are you going to McGregor? What's your connection there? And uh, so it's, yeah, uh, it's interesting. It's not just Travis and Rosie, uh, but many of you that have come and visited us over the years. Uh, we've been in Paraguay uh, as missionaries uh, since... Uh, 91, so it's uh, just over 30 years already, and uh, we're not with the radio station anymore. Uh, that's been um, 13 years since we left that, and have been working first in Mingawasu when we went back after finishing at the radio station, and then uh, later in Campo Nueve. So, um, yeah, we we uh, we've been in Canada. Uh, since early July, and we will return in a few more weeks. Um, sorry, next week. Next week, uh, Wednesday, actually. So, yes. Um, this is uh, a family gathering we did uh, in July. Dad's 93rd birthday, celebrated with about half of the family. Uh, so there's 97 living um, uh, uh, descendants or with, with dad together and so it was a beautiful time that we had uh, we're living in Rosenort uh, in a basement suite uh, same as same place as we did two years ago so uh, and we've had the privilege of having a relaxing week at Kareth Pines Retreat in July uh, close to Falcon Lake there and we've had the opportunity to share in a number of churches in Alberta, in Ontario, and here in Manitoba. Uh, we also took a, a week of training uh, at uh, Caring for the Heart Canada in Ontario at the end of August. Uh, at this training, we observed a couple being uh, counseled uh, via t TV screen in a different room. So we were uh, seeing how the counselor worked with that couple Three, for four days, three hours a day. Uh, so we feel a little more prepared and excited to return to Paraguay and put into practice what we've learned. Um, yeah, and I think each of you got a prayer card, uh, so continue praying for us and our ministry. This is our home in Campo Nueve. Um, that's, uh, yeah, we... We bought that place a couple of years ago when we sold our place in Rosenort. And this is the view to the street. This is in the middle of winter in July. Uh, so um, that's, uh, I think right now there's not quite as many flowers as, as there were then. Uh, but it is spring there now and it's uh, turning out to be very hot. Uh, the fire pit in the back uh, is a nice place to uh, hang out together with friends and with our family. 
This is our family. Uh, we have uh, three children. Uh, the one uh, at the end there is Corey, and his wife is Adri. And then they have two kids, two boys, three years and almost eight. And uh, they just live very close to our place. All, all our kids live in, in Campo Noy, which is very big blessing. And then there's Stefan, uh, also at the, at the end there. Far end. Far end. Uh, he's dating Jessa Perez. And um, he, um, uh, he works at a rehab center with carpentry with the, the people that stay there. And, uh, and then there's Daniela, the youngest. She's uh, married to a Brazilian, Esteban is his name. So um, as you probably noticed, this, our family gatherings are in Spanish. <laughs> and we really enjoy our, our family having Having them so close by, uh, our daughter-in-law Adri is into kennel making and, um, and here is uh, family time. And uh, here is Stefan and our son-in-law Esteban and Daniela participating in the church service in, in Campo Nueve. And that's the church where we go twice a month and otherwise we go to Mingaguasu. And Mingaguasu, you've seen these pictures before. I'm sure um, those walls are now uh, plastered finally uh, during our time here. Travis, uh, he always likes building projects, so uh, was able to um, complete that. And uh, so when we go, then I usually have an opportunity to either chair the service or um, to preach. And uh, it's, it's really nice to see uh, local uh, youth and uh, and the members to uh, to be part of the worship team as well. And we also work, um, have ladies, these are more ladies than normally, but here we had an event where we invited a, a lady to speak, give her her testimony, and then we did a craft, which attracts the woman very much. <laughs> and this is a Sunday school. Um, I uh, do um, more with the adolescents, and Rosie too. Uh, here uh, we go, we're going to visit um, an older couple to bring some food and, and the gospel. And this is a Mother's Day program with the adolescents. And you probably don't need us to tell you that there are lots of kids out there. Uh, Travis and Rosie, I'm sure, have show, uh, shared that as well. And that is a concern for us and a prayer item that we want to leave with you uh, to want to see how we can uh, do that work better with kids and with the adolescents and youth um, because that is the, the future of the church and uh, to build, build a foundation. And so we're asking for, we've been asking for someone to come alongside Travis and Rosie uh, to, um, uh, to help them in the work there and to do that part of, of the ministry. Uh, in the last 12 years or so, the Lord has directed us to get training as counselors with Caring for the Heart in Colorado Springs. We see this as a way of making disciples in an area of life, which is the family, that is under such brutal attack today. Uh, Revita and I are privileged to be able to do ministry together, and sometimes separately. This is among the Spanish-speaking Latin Paraguayans, uh, much of our ministry happens in the counseling office in our, in our home or in the screen room uh, where we do the 12-week marriage course with a group of about four couples. In this case, uh, our 
daughter and son-in-law also wanted to participate. They were, uh, of course, the, the youngest of the, of the group there. Um, so that was really special. Sometimes a church invites us to do the course uh, in, in their community, uh, and some of our counseling is online, uh, going beyond Paraguay's borders, uh, since we are the only Caring for the Heart office in all of South America. The Lord has been stretching us in, in many different ways as we le learn to deal with challenging situations, challenging issues. We realize that if we allow God to work in and through us, He shows up and transforms lives right in front of us. And all the praise and glory to Him. This time, if we're sharing in churches here, we decided to ask many of our counselees for a short testimony of how they've been helped. We were amazed that 13 couples responded. We, and more promised to, but they haven't uh, fulfilled on their promise. Uh, we recognize that very often we are just one link in their healing process, which is great. God uses others along the way to prepare and accompany them, and he also chose to use us. The Lord has very creative ways of connecting us with hurting people. This young couple, Aníbal and Rode, came from over three hours away to a young adult, adults camp at Rama Camp uh, in our town, which is the one where Travis and Rosie uh, participate as well. Uh, they were one of the only married couples there. Uh, most of them were singles. Our co-workers, Travis and Rosie, were directing the camp, and the couple was very down. Uh, so they asked us to come and talk with them. We listened to their story and prayed with them, then suggested doing the marriage course with them, and they were happy to, to do that with us. Soon after, I had a trip to Asuncion, uh, to where they lived, where I did the first lesson with them in person, and then we continued online via video calls for the other lessons. Ravida will r read Rode's testimony. I will do Aníbal's. We've been married for a bit over a year, and I was determined to leave my marriage. I felt that I was struggling alone in my marriage with, uh, with my husband. Um, while my husband was unaware of his actions in not giving me my place as a wife, I was feeling rejected all the time. I decided to seek help. God healed us in showing us how our blind spots, my husband's actions changed. We could forgive each other. Now we are closer, we are better friends, and I can be a better wife. Until those days of camp, I didn't even think about seeking help for our marriage, nor did I realize that I was already losing my marriage until Rode told me that she was on the verge of leaving me. I was struggling with pornography, I repented and renounced porn in my life. I stopped consuming it, but I still continued to struggle with lustful thoughts. I believed many lies about myself, which kept me down. Now, with God's help, and together with my wife, we are doing and achieving things in life I never thought possible. When I realized the hurt I was causing, it made me so sad that I wanted to stop fighting and just continue with my miserable life as I had before, and to leave my marriage. Praise God, I can say that God has restored my life and used the counseling we received from Chris and Ravida. Without them, my marriage was lost. I desire to seek more of God and love the process, the circumstances that we go through every day, 
because the uglier the situation, the greater it is what God has for us. And this uh, picture was sent to us in July when they celebrated three years uh, of marriage. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Now, it's not hard to recognize a word that repeats quite often here, uh, even though it's in, in bold there, um, but um, you read that and, and, and you just can't help uh, hearing that comfort comes up so many times. In verses 3 to 7, uh, in this whole passage, Paul uses the word comfort about 10 times, depending on your translation. So it's obvious it's an important theme in this passage. All through the Bible, God is portrayed as one that comforts his people, as consoling, as healing, wiping tears from faces, being present, being beside us. The idea of comfort implies that there are at least two parties involved, the one who gives the comfort and the one who receives it. It involves a need on the one hand and a filling of the need on the other. If a young child falls down and hurts himself, what does he do? He looks for comfort. The one who can best comfort the child needs to be someone close to them, someone connected to them, who has a relationship to them. This is usually mom or dad, or maybe grandma or grandpa. So taking the child in the arms or on the lap, uh, hugging, consoling, and encouraging, Caring about their hurt, maybe putting on a band-aid or kissing the injury, brings comfort to the child. We all have experienced pain and, and hurt in our lives, and not just physical pain from falling down, but emotional, mental, and even spiritual pain. It may be because of the grief of losing someone or something precious, going through a very difficult situation. And it can hurt so, so deeply. So we're all in need of comfort. God is our Father, and He is a gracious and compassionate Father. He cares deeply. He feels along with us. He empathizes. It moves Him. Jesus experienced the disappointment, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, being hated and scorned, and so on. Hebrews 4.15 says about him in the message, We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing. He's experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy. Accept the help. So it's really great to have someone that totally understands us. And he is in touch with our reality. Now, when we grow up, or when our kids grow up, 
the earliest years, the early years of life are the most impressionable. They have the greatest impact on us, even though we may have little or no conscious memory of them. We learn more in the first five years of life than in all the rest, and we learn by trial and error. We start figuring out how life works, how to get what we want, what we need, very soon after birth. As children, we cry or beg or throw a tantrum. We scream, hit, call names, fight, all depending on what we observe others around us doing or we ourselves do and, and it works. We may learn to manipulate and control others or we may try to be invisible and not stand out. Could be that we never stand up for ourselves. We don't know who we are. It all depends on our experiences early in life and we repeat them again and again and so that we take that into marriage and into our relationship in, in the family. Um, it's great that you're having uh, Wayne Friesen coming in and talking about anxiety and, and uh, um, worry uh, and care. Um, I don't know if those exactly, but, but the, these topics are very important. Depression, I think, it was the other one. So the loss, pain, or fear that we react to in our lives is different for each person. For example, if someone as a child was neglected, has suffered hunger, and a lack of basic needs, this can cause them to hoard food and to be very selfish, even as adults. Pain can come from traumatic experiences, from abuse, from pressure, uh, from the pressure of high expectations, or an angry and expressive parent. It can come from being shamed, criticized, or bullied. It can also come from not receiving emotionally what we needed when we grew up, like hugs, words of affirmation, love and acceptance. We react automatically when our pain, when our pain buttons are touched. One reaction we had, or I had, in our first years of marriage was blaming Ravida when something didn't go as planned, when something went wrong. Um, and it still sometimes wants to come up when she's supposed to be in charge of the GPS and can't find the place. Not for McGregor here, but some other places. So, um, so I had to watch out. I noticed my reactions, and I noticed reactions in her. Um, when I reacted badly, then she would go quiet. She wouldn't talk. And, and so, yeah, there are different emotional reactions uh, or reactions that we have to emotional pain. And some might be to throw things, to rebel, to get angry, to withdraw emotionally or walk away, to freeze up, to stop talking, or to talk nonstop, to clown around, to cover the pain by working hard or with addictions like alcohol, drugs, or porn. 
When something happens inside our heart, we need to take note. We need to observe when we react. Figure out what's happening inside. What just happened? What is that pain, that fear, or unmet need that I am reacting to? The pain we carry around in our hearts and which we react to also affects our thinking, our, our view of life, and our view of God. And God wants to heal and change that. Otherwise, we limp through life, not living up to our potential, and most likely hurting ourselves and others in the process. The message version of 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 says, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel, he comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. He comes alongside us so that we can come alongside others. Jesus' purpose on earth was not only to proclaim good news to the poor, to redeem us spiritually from death and sin, to save us for heaven sometime, but he came also to set prisoners free, to give blind, the blind their sight back, to bind up the brokenhearted, when he quoted Isaiah 61.1, as we heard earlier. Jesus came to heal and to deal with broken heart issues, emotional pain, and we all have some of that unless we're just living in our head and decide uh, to suppress what we're feeling. But we do have broken heart issues. But he came also to free the oppressed and the enslaved, which includes spiritual or enemy issues. In the counseling model of caring for the heart, we come alongside others and help them to identify the pain and the lies that they have been believing that causes them emotional and spiritual problems. And we take it to Jesus in prayer. He alone can bring the healing because he is the one who truly understands and cares about the things that affect our heart and our relationships. At the same time, we need to recognize and take responsibility and to repent of our sinful reactions when we are faced with pain, fear, our lack of faith, and we need to renounce Satan's lies that we've been living by. We take our hurt, fear, or loss to Jesus for healing and leave it with him, forgiving those who caused us the damage. Forgiveness is a big part. It's one of the biggest parts in becoming free. When we allow God's word to replace the truth, uh, replace the lies with truth, with love, and trust. So as we are healed and cared for by God coming alongside us, we can in turn understand and support someone else going through similar situations and care for them, helping take their burdens uh, to Jesus. God wants to use us as channels of comfort for others. My question to you today, my challenge is, who does God want you to encourage and to come alongside of? I'll ask Rita to come back up. We'll end off with a bit of a longer testimony. 
at the beginning of last year, we got to know this cute couple, uh, David and Giselle. We were the only last. We were only the last link in their healing process, which is really great. God used others along the way to prepare and to accompany them, as He has used us as well. Besides having them in our course with three other couples in our home, we got together for counseling uh, with them uh, at least seven times, sometimes separately, um, because they ended up fighting too much. And one time I had to take him out. He would, uh, at times he would to uh, go totally quiet. He would shut down. And um, that wouldn't just be at home. He would do that at his home yet for, for a while, uh, for a couple of days sometimes. And so uh, I had to take him apart and, and talk with him and, and try to get him out of his, out of his cave. And uh, so it was a challenge. Um, unfortunately, their story is one of being unequally yoked. They were from different religious backgrounds. Uh, and, and unfortunately, that is much too frequent uh, and, and it causes a lot of stress and pain but even there, God's mercy and his grace can redeem the situation. And all praise to him. Ravida will read Giselle's story. I will do David's. I grew up in a very traditional Catholic family, one of four siblings. My early childhood was full of violence and very painful situations. My father was an alcoholic. He beat my mother and left home countless times. My cousin abused me and an uncle and a neighbor tried to abuse me. My mother was able to convince my father to join a group of alcoholics, alcoholics Anonymous. When he stopped drinking, our, life, uh, our home life changed and my parents began serving the church. As a teen, I taught Catholicism uh, to five and six-year-olds. As a youth, I led the young uh, youth group and um, later a women's group. I taught I already knew Jesus through my service and the training that I received. At the age of 26, I married my lifelong boyfriend who did not share my faith. He comes from an evangelical Christian family and mine is Catholic. We had a civil ceremony since we did not reach an agreement regarding the religious celebration. It was a difficult process because my dream was always to get married under God's blessing. I entered married life without having any idea of what it should look like. We got married in November 2019. Since our dating days, we had many problems relating to each other. Our marriage began with many clearly visible problems starting in the second month of marriage. We made many mistakes. Among the most frequent was fighting and not talking to each other for a few days. I was temperamental, a st uh, stubborn and spoiled girl. I appeared to be strong, holding back the tears and not showing my feelings or expressing them in any way. I did not believe in hugs or in any feelings of care and affection. I it took my husband years to win me over and gain my trust. We both came from very troubled and dysfunctional families. In my case, I grew up with a drunk, abusive father who did not know how to show affection at any time. Also, within my family, there were very bad role models and generational issues. There was everything, witchcraft, prostitution, immorality, hatred. 
despite the fact that I tried hard that everything negative that happened in my family growing up would not influence my marriage, we began to have many problems, and we said and did things that we thought we never would. For me, the evangelicals were crazy and false. I judged them without knowing them, so attending an evangelical church was a challenge. I accompanied my husband, but only to avoid problems with him. On one occasion, my wife asked me if I was sorry for marrying her, and I answered yes. Every fight we had made me feel very bad and made me want to give up. My husband and I fought a lot, with shouting, insults, and on two occasions with blows. We both couldn't control our anger, and it got worse each time. Our impulsive and uh, explosive personalities led us to make serious mistakes, and we hurt each other deeply. After one and a half years of marriage, my husband left home for a week, a situation that was repeated a couple more times. One morning, he texted me and told me that he had left and was not coming back. At first, I thought it was a joke, until later that day when he sent a lawyer to coordinate the dividing of assets with a note from the, lawyer, from the Justice of Peace. It was then, for the first time, that I felt that my world was falling apart. I felt alone, mocked, and abandoned. My parents were already aware of the situation, and that night, my sister came to look for me. I returned to my parents' house, destroyed, confused, and very hurt. When we were separated, I went to live with my sister. I didn't feel like talking to anyone. I only went out to work, then I locked myself in my room again. My pastors didn't understand what I was going through. They didn't come to visit me, and when they called me by phone, they didn't treat me well. That made me feel even worse. We spent three months apart without communicating. He didn't want to talk. He had closed his heart and wanted nothing to do with marriage. During the first days, I wanted answers to my countless questions, and I couldn't sleep or eat, nor eat well. Many things went through my mind, including suicide and turning to people who practice witchcraft, all out of desperation to get my husband back. Living in my parents' house, I held back the urge to cry. The first month, and without realizing it, I fell into deep depression and bitterness. I hated so many people, and above all, my husband, and lashed out at God, asking him over and over again, why me? Every day was a struggle. I didn't feel like praying and even less going to church. I heard a devotional at my job where they talked about the family. This pushed me to seek help for my mental health. I realized that only God could get me out of the pit I was in. I got myself to talk to the chaplain who lined up an appointment with his wife, a psychologist. Therapy helped me to see my problem from different perspectives. Many appointments and exercises helped me control my anxiety, fear, and despair. I learned to express the feelings that I had pushed down, and we prayed at the end of each appointment. I also had a Christian couple walking with me, Adriana and Claudio, who opened their arms and their hearts to me in that process. Claudio is my husband's friend. I knew they spent a lot of time praying for us. My mother-in-law also found out and prayed for me and encouraged me not to give up, to give myself to God, to rest in him, to wait for his time, to trust even without understanding how he works. I began to be more open in terms of faith. I participated in the services, paid attention in the, to the preaching, prayed day and night. I started to see the evangelical religion in a different light. I began to feel God's presence in my life, to uh, grab onto his hands, so I no longer felt alone. My life was still a mess, but I trusted in his plans. 
Months went by and one day my husband surprised me with uh, strawberries and whipped cream, my favorite dessert. We didn't talk much. It was a, a small ray of hope for a relationship that I thought was over. I finally felt uh, ready to sign the divorce papers if he would have asked me. We, stayed, uh, we started exchanging messages and calls until the day came when we needed to talk and make the decision to either get back together or finalize the divorce. Reluctantly and fearfully, fearful, I went back home feeling very insecure. Imagine facing my family who was totally against this decision. It was like siding uh, with a person who had already failed and hurt me and would probably do so again. It was difficult. We soon started our course with the chaplain um, and his wife, which emphasized communication and forgiveness in marriage. I kept waiting for him to ask me for forgiveness. I said yes to everything he wanted. I tried to apply what I had learned in the courses, but my heart was full of resentment. While playing soccer with my friend Claudio, he convinced me to make one last attempt to fix my marriage. He told me a, a course for couples was going to take place in our city, led by some missionaries who know how to deal with marriage issues. I was hesitant because at other courses I had attended, I was always to blame for all the problems and nothing ever got resolved. Eventually, we decided to go. Both my husband and I realized that our marriage was far from fulfilling, so we decided to participate in the course with Chris and Revita. I discovered that my life was the victim receiver of many generational sins. Due to ignorance, I lived in bondage to many negative thoughts, bitterness, childhood wounds, lies, hypocrisy, and many other emotional and spiritual problems that were hurting both me and the people I loved. In this course, Chris and Ravida showed us that relational problems are connected to sin. We realized that we were full of pride, anger, resentment, and generational sins, among other things. I had never been taught to recognize and take responsibility for my mistakes, and I began to see that I needed to improve in many areas. In studying the scriptures, I discovered that many of my family's religious practices were wrong, such as idol worship, praying to the saints, or to the dead as mediators, visits to the medicine men, occult, watching horror movies, among other things. I can say with joy that through the course, I was able to heal my childhood wounds. Uh, it was not easy to forgive my cousin, uncle, and neighbor who left me with terrible emotional wounds, my mother for not protecting me from the dangers of abusive situations, my husband for abandoning me, and many other people who hurt me. Remembering and letting go of those uh, situations was like breaking my heart into thousand pieces, but it was necessary because I felt a Jesus who hugged me, comforted me, and healed me. I could finally break down and cry, cleansing my heart of my negative feelings. Thanks to the course and the healing that I needed so badly, my relationship with my husband improved. I, I was able, also able to understand his past wounds and my own difficult um, and temperamental personality. In the process of going through this desert, God was transforming me. He made a hard and cold heart into a heart of flesh, sensitive and feeling peace and joy. We began to pray more with my wife and put into practice what we learned. We realized that our fights were less and less frequent. We began to get along and enjoy being together. I thank God for the opportunity to participate in this course and wish this for others. 
I pray more couples will prepare to lead and walk alongside hurting families. I thank God for the lives of Chris and Ravita and for those who stand behind them in their work in Paraguay. The time they dedicated to us has not been in vain, but has helped us to reflect and bring about change. I no longer regret having gotten married to Giselle. I know now that all the bad stuff we went through helped us to believe, to, sorry, to leave behind the errors and sins of our families and to make our own new family, but with God as a solid foundation. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you are a God of comfort, that you know what we have gone through, what has happened to us, and you want to heal that. You want us to take responsibility for the decisions that we have made uh, and the reactions that um, that we struggle with in our lives, with which we hurt ourselves and others many times. I thank you that you are the one who comforts, that uh, you come alongside to bring us healing, to bind up our broken hearts, and to free us from slavery and from um, things that, uh, that hurt us and others. Lord, we want to live as free uh, so that we can care about others in our lives and uh, to come alongside them. I thank you for this congregation and for um, the, the plans that you have for each one and for the design that you have and purpose. And I just pray that each one of us can live out that purpose. May you your spirit live in and through us and um, purify every aspect of our lives so that you can be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll sing this song one more time. Um, this time you see that there's like fairly bold letters. If you could follow along with Amber, she'll be singing that part, the responses as well as the chorus. Um, and then we'll let Pastor Russell come up and say the benediction, and then we'll sing the chorus one more time.
Thank you, Chris and Ravita. You very clearly are doing very important work. There's going to be a potluck after the service as we are all smelling. I'd encourage you to track down Chris and Ravita and talk to them if you have any questions. And for our benediction, we turn to the book of 2 Thessalonians. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Go now and serve our wonderful God. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone?